If you have your Bible, open it up to Luke chapter 6, verse 17 through 26. If you have your U version, you can open that up as well. All the notes are, are on there. We've been studying the book of Luke for a very long time now, since January. The last few weeks, a month or so, we've actually bounced around. We've gone to different places. And we're coming back into Luke right now, and this is where we left off. Uh, I would encourage you, if, if you'd like to know more about uh, some of the chapters before or you're curious there, you can go to our podcast and listen to the different messages and, and kind of catch up if you've missed some messages, if, if we record them and put them on there. We find ourselves right now, and this is the part of Luke that I start getting really excited in. I mean, it's all good, right? It's, it's a good book. But this part right here just gets my blood going. Uh, one of the reasons we chose to start Luke as a brand new church, we've been around for two years, and Jesus himself is teaching, and we're looking at the life of Jesus in the book of Luke. And Luke is a doctor. He's very articulate. He's done all his research and he wants to paint a very uh, beautiful picture, an accurate picture of who Jesus is. So as a church body, as individuals, what's a better way to start than looking at the, the face of Jesus and saying, Jesus, we want to know who you are. So there's, there's our little setup. And I want to, I want to read the passages because I believe that if, if you let uh, today be all God wants it to be in you, um, you're going to learn some pretty cool stuff. I'm way too excited for this. So let's just jump in. Luke chapter 6, verse 17. Jesus here. He went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, and from the coasts of Tyre and Sidon, verse 18, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by evil spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their fathers treated the prophets. Verse 24, But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for that is how their fathers treated the false prophets. Let me pray for us. God, I pray today that your spirit will move in us and move in our hearts, move in our minds. I pray that the words are clear today, and, and I pray that, God, we will see your face. Thank you for this scripture, and please show us yourself in this. And it's your name we pray. Amen. Let's, let's jump up. One of, my, one of my biggest, let's jump up to the very beginning. One of my biggest desires is that this right here, the Word of God, the Bible, you would fall so in love with this. And I, can, I can stand up here for 20 minutes or 30 minutes and just give you insight that God has given me and, and research and study and bring all the theology I may have in my back pocket, bring it all out and talk about this. But there is no way I could possibly cover even a remote portion of all the richness that 
that is in the text that we cover. And so one of the things that I, I feel like we can do at Church Project is, is hopefully give you a desire to open your Bible, to read the stories, get lost in it, start finding the truth that's in it, and start digging for the truth yourself in here. And so as we jump in, we look at verse 17. It says, He went down with them and stood on a, on a level place. A large crowd of His disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over the place, from all over the place, um, came who had to hear Him and to be healed by their diseases, to heal uh, from their diseases. They were troubled by evil spirits, and they were cured. So we look here, and the very first thing that jumps out at me is, as I start going through this is there were people. They were all there. Jesus is there. He's starting to teach them. And people were trying to touch Him. Right? I mean, Jesus was there, and, and a whole bunch of people came. If you look, look down just in verse 18, um, they're troubled by evil spirits. They wanted to be healed. They wanted to hear Jesus. And what they tried to do, they, they tried to touch Him. And it says here that all the people in the crowd were healed, that they wanted to touch Him. So as I, as I look at this, and I think of a crowd of people coming around Jesus to hear Him, and He's healing diseases, and He's talking, there's some power that's radiating off of Jesus that every single person that was in that crowd wanted to touch Him. Every single person, all the people there were going after Jesus and it says all the people there were being healed from him and by him. When I think of a crowd, I think, okay, there's some people in the crowd and they're going to say, yes, of course, my arm hurts or I have a disease or, or something like that and I, I want to touch Jesus. There, of course, there's those people that have come hours away, maybe days away because they've heard of Jesus and they've heard of His healing power and they've done everything that they can to get there. They've sold everything just to get there because they know the healing power of Jesus. Word about Him is starting to spread throughout the region. So, of course, there's people in that crowd like that. I mean, if I had a disease and I knew that someone was healing, I would do all I could to get there. Would you? Of course there's those people. But it doesn't say that just those that were sick were healed. It says all the people were pushing in and they were trying to touch Him because His power, His greatness, greatness was just radiating out. All were healed. The sick and the healthy. And isn't this just like Jesus, even in, in our life? He has come to restore. He has come to redeem. He is radiating restoration out of His life. It doesn't matter if you would say, I am a sick person or I am a healthy person. The fact is this, we all need to cling to the radiating power of Jesus. Amen. We need to reach out for Jesus. He's healing and He's there for us regardless of what we think if we're healthy or if we're sick. All humans long to be healed. Think about this. Every human that you know longs to be healed in any religion that we have on earth. It, it, everywhere you go, people are longing to be healed. If you look at the Bible, you go back to the Garden of Eden and you see a perfect moment there where it's just man and it's just God and it's beautiful. 
I would love to be in the Garden of Eden. I think they probably had huge grapes because I love grapes. I don't, I don't know. But Garden of Eden, something happened then. And in the Garden of Eden, man decided to choose and to go our own way. And from that point forward throughout all of history, every single man, including ourselves, and a woman and child and boy and girl, we are longing to be healed, period. We're longing to be healed. There's an emptiness in us from birth. <laughs> we have people all around us and we do it the same. We are looking we are looking for healing in every possible way. We're running to the crowd, whether we'll admit it or not. We're running to the crowd and we're looking for the answer. We're looking to be healed in every possible way. Some of us, and maybe we've done some of these things, we look for healing in relationships. You know, I, I may be insecure, but once I get married, I am going to be complete. Like, it's going to be good. You know, we look for it in relationships. We look for it in our jobs. You know, when I make it $2 more an hour, my, I'm going I'm to suddenly have self-confidence and be really good in life. We look for healing there. We look for relationships and addictions with alcohol, drugs, maybe to mask because we don't feel right. We look for it in our hobbies. We see that a lot in America. A lot of people find their identity not in who they are, but in what they do. And so when the summer comes out, especially in Colorado man, I'm a mountain biker, I'm a triathlete, I'm a, I'm a camper, I'm a hiker, I'm whatever. You see it all the time, we see it all the time. People that are longing, they're sick, they're longing to be healed, but they're looking for it in the wrong spots. They're looking for it in relationships and jobs and hobbies and wealth. Would you agree? People try to find their identity and to be healed and to mask diseases that are in us by accumulating more wealth and even health. We look in all the wrong places. And Jesus is in, he's there. The crowd is there, full of people that need to be healed. And he is the answer. And he's still the answer today. The only healing that we can experience in life that is going to sustain is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Put yourself in that situation. Put yourself with Jesus' teaching. And people coming from all around to hear Him and to be healed by Him. And think about yourself today. We're in that same situation. Are we reaching out to touch Jesus? Matthew eleven twenty eight. it's a beautiful verse. It says, come to me. Come to me. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Are you weary some? Are you tired? Are you burdened? Do you feel empty? Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. So as we look at this, verse 17, verse 18, verse 19, we see people coming, they're reaching out and, and to touch Jesus. All of them are reaching out to touch Jesus and His restoring love is radiating over all of them and He's healing all of them. And we get to verse 20, and I love verse 20. It says, looking at His disciples, Jesus, He's doing this. People are getting healed and He's teaching. And in verse 20, Jesus says, looking at His disciples... <laughs> Looking at his disciples. See, healing is for all of us. And it, it brings us to a really good point here in the scripture. Because 
Jesus is healing. He's doing all this stuff to the crowds. And then he looks at his disciples and he says something here in a little bit. But the point for all of us right in here, we may capture, our, we may get caught up in this ourselves, is this. Jesus was looking at his disciples. He's about to say something. But I think this is what he's about to say. How many of us think that um, we don't need healed? We've got it all together. And we begin to judge the people that have shown up to be healed. Any of you have a judgmental problem? I think what's happening right here is all this healing is going on and Jesus is doing this. And I wonder if there's some of the disciples that are sitting back going, these people, like, come on. They should have, oh, that's so-and-so. He should have it together by now. I told him how to live his life two years ago. Oh, that, oh, that, oh, come on. Are you serious? Like, over and over again, you're going to do that? Any of you, any of you judge people? Any of you ever have those thoughts? Jesus is looking and he looks at his disciples. He's about to say something. All of us have these thoughts of judging people. And I wonder if this was some of the disciples. This, this little section of this message may, may catch you or may fall on your heart today. How many of you in your life, and I do it all the time, um, we know people in our life that we've been loving, that maybe we've been praying for, we've been, um, we've been inviting them to church, we've been doing whatever we can for them, but quite honestly, we're now giving up on them. We're stopping to pray because we're like, that person, they, they will never turn. They, they will never start to follow God. They will never do what's right. They will never align themselves with, with the Word of God. I've prayed for them. I've given them money. I've done this and this and this. How many of you know people, that are, and don't raise your hand, but can you think of someone in your life where you're like, I'm done with them. I'm, do- I'm, 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 I'm done with them. Because they will never change. I can think of people right now in my life. And how bad is that that I can think of people like that in my own life? Because in essence, what I've done is I've given up on them. And also what I'm doing is I'm saying this, I am better than they are. Right? I mean, it's easy to get caught up and to, to give up on people. And Jesus is looking. He looks at His disciples. And I wonder if part of Jesus, because He's all great and, and powerful, He's healing people. And at the same time, His heart is breaking because some of His disciples are being so judgmental at this time of their life. They're saying, oh, those sick people, they need healed, but not me. Like, I've got it all together. Reminds me of that crazy band, Jane's Addiction. Habitual day, low ritual. Anyone remember that? Uh, old school. But just habitually addicted. Habitually running back to the thing. That, or the Bible says, like a dog returning to its vomit. Sometimes we ourselves, we get in such these habituals, day, low rituals, that we keep running back to the very thing that makes us sick. And I, for one, stand up and I say, thank you, God, for not giving up on me. Amen. Thank you for not being judgmental on me. Because I need your love and I need your forgiveness. And so all these people are pushing in to touch Jesus and they're running to Him and they're saying, please heal me. And some of the disciples may be like, yeah, and you're going to go get drunk again. Why should He do that? And Jesus is looking at him. I think His heart is breaking for people. We find ourselves sometimes so judgmental against people. We feel like it's our position to judge them and we jockey into position to put ourselves better like we have all the answers and we know better than they do and we begin to look down on people and I think it breaks Jesus' heart. What it does for me is it causes me to not love that person like Jesus does. 
right? Shame on you that you need healed. You should know better than that by now. How proud am I when I say that? I long for Jesus and I need Him every single day. I thank God for His grace in my life because whether I've come to Him and He's healing and I think I need healed that day or I come to Him and I think I'm all good, I'm put together, I haven't read my Bible today and I look good, I don't need healed, every day I am, I am hanging to His grace that says, Aaron, regardless of what you have done or what you will do, I still love you completely. Anyone else in that room, in this room, that's just, God, thank you for your grace? How over and over and over again we can keep going our own way and choosing our own way, but Jesus is still there and He's saying, just come to me and reach out to me and touch me because I want to heal you. Do you go to Jesus with your problems, with your concerns, with your diseases? Do you reach out and touch Jesus? He heals, He restores, He rebuilds, He forgives, He loves, and He longs for you. I'm not sure where you're at right now in your heart or in your mind, but is there something that you've even done in your life in, in this, you know, this past however many years of your life, maybe even this week or maybe even today, something you've done and you're like, I can't believe I did that again. I repeated that again. I did that again. And it's starting to drive a wedge between you and Jesus because now you're in performance mode. You're like, well, I'm going to cut that out and I'll never do that again, Jesus. And guess what? Maybe next week you will do that again and you'll start beating yourself up again and you'll start saying, I'm not worthy of His love. And over and over and over again, this cycle can go from here until eternity and Jesus will forever hold out His hand and say, my grace is enough for you. Come to me. Reach out and touch me. So if you begin to condemn yourself and down yourself and doubt yourself because of these actions that you do or don't do, stop. Reach out towards Jesus because He's the lover and He wants to love you. He's the rebuilder and He wants to rebuild you. So these people as they're coming... Some are broken because their arms are broken. Some have diseases that are obvious. Their skin's falling off. But every person in that crowd have a heart condition. And they need healed. They need love. Just like every human we know on the planet Earth. God is in, in a, this fancy word called sanctifying. He's working us out. From beginning to end, He's continuing to mold us and shape us to be more like Him, to have eyes like He has, to hear what He hears, to do what He does. And I thank God for His work in my life that's continuing to forgive, to love, to give me grace, to sanctify me, and to build me, and to restore me. I am not the same today as I was 10 years ago. Or even last week. And I won't be the same next week or ten years from now. And I hope and I long and I pray that Jesus will continue to work in me. And the Aaron you see for ten years from now will be more in love with God. And more in line with the person of Jesus than ever. So we look at this story. He had the power over the diseases and the devil. He's healing diseases. He's casting out demons. He had power over the effects and the causes. He's that powerful. We get down into this next part, which is verse 20. 
And this, this is where, just, just a little background here. This is kind of called the Beatitudes, and it's not that you could. You, if you're into theology and researching and all this, some some theologians and scholars will say in verse 20, as we enter into the Beatitudes, which is a Latin word for blessings, this wasn't actually the Beatitudes. And, and you can really read the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5 and 7. Those are, those are beautiful. But a lot of scholars say in Luke right here, these aren't the actual Beatitudes. As Jesus looks out, and, and it's a famous message, as Jesus looks out and teaches, a lot of scholars say that this right here that we're looking at is now a combination, a, a compilation of just customary teachings that Jesus did over and over and over and over again. So whether you believe this is the actual Beatitudes right here or just a compilation of of many teachings that Jesus did, it doesn't matter. These are still the words of Jesus. And as we get into verse 20, let's just go. I'm not even going to set this up. Verse 20, looking at his disciples, brokenhearted, excited. I'm not sure what Jesus is thinking. He said this, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hunger, who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when men, uh, when men hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their fathers treated them. I want to stop and look at that section right now because that's, that's like the blessing. It's a blessed section. It's very good. The next one is the woes. So let's look at the blessing sections right now. If the, the action words jump out, the ones that jumped out at me were poor, who hunger, who weep, who men hate. How many of you want to be poor and hunger and weep and hate. We look at those and it's like, don't sign me up for those. And how can Jesus say, blessed are you when you are poor, when you are hunger, when, when you weep, when men hate you? How can Jesus do that? Okay, th- put yourself in, in Jesus' shoes, sandals, whatever he had, bare feet at that moment. He could possibly be looking at two very different groups of disciples. Some People that have come and they are reaching and hungry and and they want to be healed. They're reaching out to Him with all their might. And then there's some that are beginning to judge and Jesus is looking at them. His heart is getting broken. And Jesus is looking at now the people that are hungry for Him. And they're saying, you see this? You see how people are reaching out and they want to be healed and they're realizing they don't have the answers and they need Jesus? They are poor. And it's beautiful because they realize that all the wealth in the world doesn't matter. They're reaching out for me. They they realize that all the food in the world, all the laughter in the world, everything doesn't matter. Even a good name at this point doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is that they're relying on me. Jesus is describing a posture of the heart. Jesus is describing a position, a mindset, a lifestyle. Do we realize our great dependency on God? Do we realize that? Are we broken? Are we reaching out to Him? Blessed are you who trust me and call on me for everything. Jesus is looking at people that are calling on Him and running and reaching out to Him. And He's saying, blessed are you. (laughs) 
It reminds me of James 2.5. says this, James chapter 2, verse 5. Listen, my dear brothers and sisters. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom He promised those who love Him? This is best described as we move on through the text. Because I think we can learn more on the woes than we can on the blessings just because of America and the way that we think. Let's go to verse 24. It's going to make the others make a lot more sense. Verse 24. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you. For that is how their fathers treated the false prophets. We can relate to this. Because how many of you have great need in your life? Like serious need. Like you have a child at home that's dying because they're not eating right now. It's hard for us in America to really understand what great, great, great need is. So when Jesus comes in, in verse 24, says, Woe to you who are rich. We see it every day. And we live this every day. It's lives that are depending on ourselves and this world. And Jesus says, Woe to you who are depending on you. You're not depending on me. You're depending on your riches. Because you already got your reward. Hope you enjoyed that five-star hotel. Hope you, whatever it may be. This isn't a dollar sign. This is a heart. Woe to you who are counting on your ways and depending on what you do and what you can conjure up and how hard you work. Woe to you who are rich because if you're so rich, you're not depending on me for anything, are you? Because you can provide for yourself. This is, very, this is illustrated in Luke chapter 16, verse 19. It's a story of Lazarus and a rich man. Lazarus is a beggar. He has sores. He's sitting at a gate. He's begging people for money, for food, for handouts. Like he's got nothing except the love of God. And he's at the gate of a rich man who has everything. The rich man dies. Lazarus dies. And God says, Lazarus, come to me. Rich man, I don't even know who you are. Like you had everything you needed. You had a baker with whole wheat bread, gluten-free. Hope you enjoyed it because you didn't know me. But Lazarus knew me and he sought after me. Woe to you who are rich. I can understand this because of one stupid word that pops in my life every single day, multiple times a day, and it's called pride. Any of you have pride? Pride comes before a downfall, and I'm, I am continually on the verge of a downfall all day long because of my stinking pride. <laughs> Woe to you who are rich because you're proud. You can do life on your own terms and you don't need me. And God steps back and says, go for it. Do it. Live the life that you want to live. 
And we're not talking about a dollar sign. We're not talking about having tons of money. What we're talking about here is how are you using what God has given you? Are you so rich that whatever you're rich on, you're depending on that more than anything? Riches and our things? Instead of using them to further His kingdom and, we, and as a convenience for us? Instead of those things in which God's provided everything for us, for the kingdom and for our convenience to move forward? No, we use our riches and our things to please ourselves with them, whatever they may be. We pride ourselves in them and make them our heaven, our gods to serve, whatever those riches are. And if that's it, and if we're putting all our hope and our things and our riches and what we do and how we do them and riding first class or whatever it may be, God is small to us and we need Him not because we are rich. And we're not leaning on His... We're not depending on who He is. We're full of ourselves. And we're leaving God behind. This one, this pride thing, this rich thing right here, is a big one for me. And I, and I pray that as you study this later on in the day and on the week, that you'll ask God, you'll say, God, am, am, I, am I just rich? Like, I'm depending on other things more than I am you. Am I, am I just well fed? Do I, you know, just start asking God to show you things in here. It, here here's a good illustration. This happened yesterday. I was with a guy. We went, we went to eat for lunch, and, and there was a guy. Occasionally I do this because I'm super Christian, so I do these kinds of things, right? That, you could, that was a joke. That was a bad joke, but... <laughs> Okay, thank you. Occasionally I do these kinds of things. I, I have no idea why, but there was a guy in front of me. I'm like, okay, cool. And I was just kind of joking with him. I'm like, hey, you want to buy my lunch? And he was like, he didn't want to talk. But I was already in the conversation. He goes, no, you want to buy mine? I'm like, okay. And so I, I go up. I'm like, I'll buy your lunch. He goes, no, I don't want your lunch. I'm like, what? You're confused. I'm like, I'll, I'll, I'll buy you lunch. And, and he's like, no, I don't want to. So it's really awkward at this point. Like it, the, the guy I was with backed up. He's like, okay, I, I'm not even part of him anymore. But uh, it's this weird conversation where I'm like, buy you lunch, not buy you lunch. I'm trying to be nice, you know. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, just I'm trying to be nice. It's like, kind of cool. It's whatever. And he said something that I even woke up last night. I remembered it word for word because I, I just it kind of hurt at that moment, and I didn't even know what to say. So luckily, I I didn't say anything, but I woke up this morning with a really good thought that I should have told him. But he, he said this. He goes, I ain't hurting for nickel. No man will buy my food. That's what he said. I, I've, I've, I don't know how many lunches or dinners or whatever, just random things that I've tried to, you know, just be nice. Random act of kindness kind of thing and maybe someone will do it to me and I'm joking. But I don't know how many times I've done that. I've never really been turned down. And I've never really been turned down with a guy saying, I ain't hurting for nickel. No man's going to buy my food. And I was kind of taken back. I'm like, oh. So I said some stupid comment. I don't know what I said. He ended up buying his own lunch, and then I ended up buying my own lunch, and it was just kind of a really awkward an awkward thing. As I, as I woke up, I, I, I kept thinking of this, this phrase, and, and it, it's, I ain't hurting for nickel. No man's going to buy my food. And, and what I wanted to say was, yeah, you're not hurting for nickel, but this is a gift. Like, this is a free gift that I just want to bless you. I wouldn't say bless because that's a Christian word, but I, I just want to give it to you. It's a free 
free gift. I'm not saying that you can't provide your own self. You probably can. That's good. But I see a lot of pride in there. And man, that pride is going to hurt. Like, can you accept a free gift, a handout from somebody? This is just a love thing. That's, that's it. But that phrase, that phrase, if I don't say it every day, I think it every day. I think it every day in every situation. I ain't hurting for nickel. No man's going to buy my food. I got this. I don't need healed. I can get through this disease on my own. I can make this thing work better without God. I don't need to seek Him every day. I am so rich that I don't need God. He is convenient when I go to Him, but I don't need Him for the most part. I am full of pride, and I am arrogant, and I am running my own way through life, and I am self-righteous, and I am proud. Any of you there? Man, when I realize how proud I am, it it breaks my own heart. But I can't imagine what it does to God. I walk around and I'm like, God, I'm rich, I'm well fed, I'm living a good life, and I'm not depending on Him fully. I mean, this week alone, I had a conversation with Lauren. I seem to be the, the most proud to the people that I love the most. Why? Why? Why is that? I want to jump down to verse 26. I'm missing a whole lot in here. But I'm missing it kind of on purpose. Because I want you to go through and I want you to, to just kind of dig through verse 24 and 25 on your own. Like, let, let God work on, on your heart. You know, what are you who are well fed now? If you're going to go hungry, how many people are indulging themselves with the things of the world right now and living for today, but they have no mindset for God in the future? Like, I hope they're well fed because that's it. That's all they're getting. They don't know who God is. You know, what are you who laugh now? Because one day you're going to mourn. How many, how many people do you know and maybe ourselves, we live for today more than anything, like the pleasure of today more than anything, for our own comforts. I wrote a chapter in a book called um, I, I, The Comforts Are the Things That Kill Me the Most. I always long for my big comfortable chair with all the padding. And then I long for that cup of coffee that comes. And when that cup of coffee comes, I long to put sugar in it because it's, it's not enough. And then when I get the sugar, I long to put cream in it because that's not enough. And after I drink that, I want a donut. And after I want a donut, like I long, I long, I long. All comfort, all about me, all the time. And how many of us, we live for today. How many people do we know live for today? We laugh for today. But tomorrow, we're, we're, when we die, we're going to be facing God and we don't even know who He is. He says, I hope you enjoyed your life apart from me, on your own. Well done. Now, go away. I want to end on verse 26 because this really hits me as, as my title pastor here. But it hits all of us as well. Woe to you when all men speak well of you. For that is how their fathers treated the false prophets. May I talk about this for a second? Pastors, Christians, we better speak the truth. Prophets spoke the truth and they paid for it. If you look at prophets in the Bible, a lot of them died because they spoke truth. It's tempting every single day of our lives to just say what people want to hear and water down this 
and not stand for the truth and compromise in this area and compromise in this area and justify this area and let our words just kind of be flowery to everyone around us all the time to the point where is there any truth in what we're saying? This position, pastor, right here that American church has set up, Woe be to this position that anyone that stands up and says flowery words and doesn't speak the truth boldly. And this is just a position because all of us are pastors. We're all disciples. Woe be to you and I if we go in our day, we go to work, we go to wherever we go, and we just justify people's actions against God because we don't want to be disliked by them. (laughs) There's so much in here that um, I hope is jumping out at you. I hope you're getting a, a little hungry for, for the things in Luke and what Jesus is saying. And I hope the Spirit is just moving in you right now. To everyone today, in this room, all Christians today, for everyone at that time, at the, in this story, when Jesus was teaching, Jesus is saying... You don't have to keep trying life on your own. I think that's what he's getting at right here. All of this. He's saying you don't have to keep trying life on your own. I am the healer. So, so will you let me heal? I'm not going to force healing on you. I'm the healer. Will you let me heal? I'm the lover. Will you let me love you? Some of us, we're going to hear this story. We're going to hear this message and that word pride is going to come up. And tomorrow it's going to come up. There's going to be a thought. There's going to be a situation. There's going to be something and we're not going to reach for Jesus in that situation. I, if you would, just close your, close your Bibles. Close your you uh, version. I'm going to invite CJ and Ben to come up. If you would, just just uh, hold your hands out in front of you and say, God, I, I receive what you're showing me right now. I receive what your Spirit is teaching me right now. Ask God in this moment to show you some things in, in light of this text. I would say, ask Him first and foremost, God, show me how much you love me. Put yourself in that crowd. You've been traveling for days to get to Jesus. Or you just happened to find out about him moments ago. But he's healing all diseases, all insecurities. He's healing the proud person. He's healing the man that's depending on his own ways, the rich guy that doesn't need any help from anyone, self-made man, woman. He's healing the person that's so hung up on their quality of education that they're proud and they look down on people. He's healing them. He's healing the person that, honestly, they don't have a penny to their name. He's healing the person whose heart is so far from him and it hurts. He's healing them. 
He's giving hope. He's giving joy. He's turning our worldly laughter into real laughter. Laughter of joy that has love and that has purpose. Like that's what our healer does, our redeemer. That's what, that's what he does. He loves us. He restores us. He redeems us. He buys back what Satan stole from us. last time you pressed into the presence of our King Jesus you pressed in you reached out for him you picked up his word you longed to hear what he was saying maybe some of you God's working in your heart for that right now just saying learn who I am accept my love do you take in the presence of Jesus? Is it, is it pride? Or is it awe? Awe. I mean, He's here right now. He's saying, come to me. So what's keeping you from going to Him? You don't want to look weak? <laughs> is that what it is? And the strong man gives his life to Jesus admits that we don't have it all together that we need his love we need his grace, his forgiveness that's the strong man that's the strong woman do you trust him and call on him for everything depending so much on your stuff and your wealth and your health and all that or, or are you depending on Him the provider of everything some of us in this room we may for the first time just say God I reach out to you right now I know that I've been living life on my own I've given no thought to who you are and how you've called me to live my life. And God, my life right now is a mess. I believe that you can restore me. I believe that you can give me hope and joy and future. I ask you to forgive me, God. I give my life to you today. I want to live for you, Jesus. Because the world around me is empty and it's proven to be empty. I think the biggest question for all of us in this room today, just to, just to ask as you're sitting there is, do you know Him? Do you trust Him? Regardless of whether you would say you are sick and full of disease or you are healthy, the question still remains the same. Do you know Him and do you trust Him? And not just a little bit. Do you trust Him in absolutely everything, in all aspects of your life? If you are holding on to something and not giving it to Jesus, would you let it go today? Just say, God, take this from me. This addiction, this burden, this thought, this posture, this pride, whatever it may be, take it. I trust you with my life. I accept your love because you are the great lover. I'm going to invite us to continue just sitting here. 
just you and God. How will you respond in the presence of a king? Because the king is here. He's looking at you. Will you reach out for him? Or you withdraw? For those of us that want to continue to reach out for him today, there's communion in the back. Represents the, the body and the blood of Jesus as he hung on the cross and died for our sins so we wouldn't have to die. Some of us, we just need to sit here and think on God and pray. For some of us, it's standing up. It's putting our hands in the air. It's singing praises to who He is. I can't think of any better way to respond to truth and love than to stand up and say, God, I accept that and shout praises to Him. Tell Him how awesome He is. If you would like prayer today, Danny is up here. He would love to pray with you. So the question is, do you know who Jesus is? And are you trusting Him with everything? Let's worship Him.